I'm John. And I'm Kate. This is The People's Podcast, and today we'll be talking about episode 5 of season 5 of The Walking Dead, entitled Self-Help. As usual in this podcast, Kate and I will talk through what happened in the episode from beginning to end, veering off on whichever tangents take our fancy, and then we'll discuss any especially interesting aspects of the episode in more detail. This episode opens up with the rather pleasant scene of them all in the bus, and apart from some of the scenery, it looks like any other road trip. Yes, going on a road trip. Yeah. This is the scene where I got the first inkling that Rosita and Abraham might be a couple. We're playing with the hair. That's a very coupley thing to do. It is a rather coupley thing to do. Yes. Had you had any inkling before? No. Neither had I. So they introduced that mighty quick. Mm. They pass a small swarm of walkers, and of course... Because this show is populated entirely by vehicles that have a dramatic frame of mind, <laughs> the bus crashes. Of course. And we have the credits. It wouldn't be Walking Dead if the bus didn't crash. Exactly. Crashes conveniently <clears throat> right in front of the swarm of walkers that just yes. passed. Yes, indeed. Yes. After the credits, we have the first of several flashbacks that Abraham has this episode. He's flashing back to what looked like a supermarket to me. And I wasn't really sure. I think he was in the meat aisle of a supermarket. Okay. Wherever he was, he had definitely just beaten a bunch of guys to death with his bare hands. Yes. They weren't walkers, were they? I really don't think the guy he killed the last one was. Anyway. I didn't get the impression that any of them were. No. Yeah, they just looked like people that he killed with his bare hands. Yeah. So we get the first iteration of this repeated hand injury that he has. I mean, he's covered in blood, but he's definitely also busted up one of his fists. Yeah. Back in present day, they need to bust out of the bus because it's about to light on fire, the engine is burning, and it's surrounded by walkers. So we see our first bit of Glenn's strategy in a little while, which mm-hmm. I quite enjoyed. Mm-hmm. They bust out, and left inside, Tara and Eugene have a... Uh, it's a pep talk. Yeah, pep talk's a good word for it. Mm. She gives him the advice that he takes to heart this episode, which is that if you're fucked either way, then do the thing that's going to help someone else. Yeah. I feel like this is a very good episode for Tara and Eugene in terms of understanding their characters a bit more. Yes, well, they got quite a lot of significant interaction with each other. Yeah. So once they've dispatched all the walkers, and Eugene even, well, assists with dispatching one... Stabs one in the back. Yes. I mean... He sort of pins it so that someone else can stab it in the head. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, seriously. How shit do you have to be not to be able to stab one in the head? Eugene shit. Yeah, but he's... Yeah. He's really, really shit. He's not a small man. You'd expect him to be physically stronger than probably any of the women that are there. Oh, well. No, actually, maybe not. They've been going toe-to-toe with walkers for a couple of years, and he really hasn't, so... Maybe not, but, you know, probably (laughs) before the outbreak began, he would have been. He's not a pathetic example of a human being. And it's like... It's not hard to aim for the bit of the zombie you know is the weak point. Yes. Like, that just made me angry. It's like, well, if he's going to stab it, at least stab it in the right spot. I don't know. I felt like it was his step towards not being totally hopeless. And his story only works if he's totally hopeless. Yeah. If he has any capacity to look after himself at all, 
<laughs> he would have developed that. Well, he certainly doesn't. No, he doesn't. So anyway, they have dispatched all the walkers, and there's a little debate about whether or not to go back to the church, because apparently they've only really gone 12, 15 miles. 15 miles, I think they've had. Away from the church. Abraham is once again, nope, we're going straight on. Unlike last episode, where I sort of got his point, this was a different situation. Why wouldn't they go back to the church? Well, because Abraham wants to get Eugene to Washington, and that's more important than anything else. More important even than assessing what is actually most likely to be of assistance. In this situation, he definitely made the wrong assessment. Well, I think he made the wrong assessment last time. Yes, but I think no matter whether or not you draw the line at this one or the one beforehand... I thought they were pretty clever in, you know, there's several points over the Mm. last episode he was in, Mm. and this one, where the debate occurs. Should we go on or should we regroup, stay, go back, some version of that. And each time he looks less and less reasonable. Yeah. Each time he's more manic about going on. They sort of step it up. But in this case, Glenn soothes Abraham, and it's agreed that they're going to carry on. Well, he largely soothes Abraham by reinforcing his decision. Abraham is, I think, afraid. Uh, well, he says it later on. He was afraid that Glenn was going to go, nah, fuck this, I'm going back. Mm. Because Abraham really wouldn't have had anything to keep him there. No. And having it reaffirmed that he's the leader and he's making the decisions, I thought it was a very alpha thing to be soothed by. You know, someone going, don't worry, you're in charge, we're mm. going to do what you're going to do. It really was. It <laughs> made me lose respect for Abraham. I'm not a huge fan of alphas who catch it wrong all the time. Yes, yes. <laughs> if you're going to be alpha, you better be really good at it. Yeah, that's right. He's no Rick. There's two other little things in this scene that I wanted to mention. One is Tara's actually brilliant idea about bikes. Yeah. Why aren't they all on bikes all the time? Yeah. I guess if you're on a bike and you get to a swarm, you can only go the other way. Yeah. Which is better than being on foot. But certainly. you can also bike past a small swarm. Yeah. Once you were in any sort of crowded situation, there'd be a lot more peril than if you were in a car. Yeah, anyway. of course. The other thing is Eugene spits on the walker he helped to kill. Yeah. That was a weird bit. That was very weird. It seemed to be an odd thing to do when everyone else has kind of got to grips with... Like, nobody hates the walkers. No. No one actively hates them because these are dead people. They're not maliciously trying to kill other people. This is just something that's happened to them. Mm. And so it's an odd thing to do. Mm. Spitting on someone is something that you do when you hate them, to degrade them. Yes, exactly. you've got to feel quite strongly about someone to want to degrade them. It's an odd thing to feel about a walker. Yeah. About someone who's already dead. Not even a walker you knew. Just no. some random <clears throat> person. That's right. I mean, if, if this had been a bully that had bullied him through his whole life, turned into a walker and he killed him, I can understand maybe spitting in its face. But just a random walker? It seems very odd. Yeah. Very unscientific. Well, I think plenty of his behaviours are not particularly scientific. They're more about him being somewhere on the spectrum. <laughs> yes. I wonder if it was designed to remind us that this guy's not really all okay. Yes, I think so. To remind us that he's just not quite right. Yeah, it was a very strange thing to do. We have another flashback. Abraham is back in the place where he killed all those blokes with his bare hands. And a tin, apparently. And a a tin, that's true. Tin of soup to aid him. And he goes to the back office of the store and finds a woman and two kids. Yes. Who look pretty terrified. They do. Well, you kind of assume that they're his wife and children. Yes. Maybe. At least a woman and children that he's closely connected with. Oh, certainly. But 
it could have just been the first people he found after all this shit went down to save. Maybe. I don't think so. Oh, okay. It's never really said who they are. No, but I think the obvious assumption is his wife and children. Okay. He was definitely very close with them. I don't dispute that at all. Back in the present, they arrive in a new town and they're going to fortify a library to stay in for the night. Yep. Now, I know that not everyone likes this, but I really get off on these montages of the survival skills. Oh yeah, I like them. You know, the retrieving of water from the dunny and then boiling it and the um, blocking up of cracks and fortifying everything. It's just a reminder that these are people who have developed some very highly specialised survival skills. Yes, the scouts would be amazed. Yeah. Of course, Eugene doesn't do anything. He's he, he likes the fire. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yes, well. Didn't he light the fire in some clever way? He lit the fire with a battery. If you connect the two ends of a battery with... It's like a piece of aluminium foil or something. It'll catch fire. But that's a very well-known thing. I'd never heard it before in my life. Oh, well. I have. Okay. But then, as you often point out, you're quite the scientist. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> so, it was very practised... And even Eugene had his little part in setting up their camp for the night. That's true. I liked it. Glenn and Abraham have a chat as they're watching the car park outside. And Abraham talks about that fear he had that Glenn and Maggie wouldn't follow through on their promise. And Mm. that he's very grateful to them for sticking along. Mm -hmm. They also talk a little bit about the night before, which at this stage is the massacre in the church. Mm Mm-hmm. Abraham says that everyone talks about how... Or it's easy to say it's never easy to kill people in this world. Mm. But that actually, sometimes it's incredibly easy. Yeah. What did you think of that? I suppose it's one of those uncomfortable sort of truths that probably most of them have admitted to themselves at some point or another. Most Mm -hmm. of the ones who have gotten to grips with how to live have probably realised at one point or another, wow, killing that person was a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. And there's some things about that which could be very disturbing, but you've just got to get over it. It certainly does seem to be their new reality. Mm. They finish up their conversation and Abraham is off to get some arse, as he so charmingly puts it. Yes. (laughs) With pretty astonishing disregard for the fact that they're all sitting around in one room. Yeah, I was thinking about that while it was all going on, and I was thinking... I suppose in situations in which you can't be sure when you're ever going to have sex again, you might care a little less about the privacy aspects of it. I suppose so. They've, I mean, they've clearly gotten used to having a certain observer. Well, yes. So this is the particularly odd thing, I thought. Mm. They clearly (laughs) don't give much of a shit that Eugene is watching. And it is clearly something that's happened before. Mm. Combined with... Do you remember back on the bus how she was sitting at the front playing with his hair and they were chatting away to each other and Eugene being drawn into the conversation was really only something that happened because Tara and Glenn and Maggie were there. Mm. And I really got the impression that maybe these people travelled for weeks on end Mm. not really talking to Eugene. He's the cargo they're bringing along. That's a good point. I haven't really thought about that. And I just thought part of the reason they don't care that he's sitting in the bookshelf watching them, maybe it is just something that they've become accustomed to, like the idea of going at it in a room with everyone else there. (laughs) Yeah. But maybe it's because they don't really connect... See him as a person. Yeah, they don't really connect with this guy as a person. Yeah. Well, he's not the easiest guy to connect to as a person, is he? No. But to spend weeks and weeks with him and still see him as non-person enough to be able to not be bothered when he's watching them have sex. 
yeah. in quite a creepy way as well. Like, he's hidden, but not really hidden. There's a very... Mm. And even the way they laughed about the fact that the place he was hiding was the self-help section. And... <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny, but it's funny because we're not in the same universe as him. <laughs> yes. Well, I imagined they were imagining that he was masturbating behind the shelves. Oh, Okay. I didn't even think about that. I thought it was a reference to the fact that he could really use some therapy. Really? That's not what I thought. Okay. You went straight to the owner-operator jokes. Absolutely. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) Well, even if they find it hard to connect with him, Tara seems to be the Eugene Whisperer. Yeah. I thought, actually, during that conversation, Eugene being Eugene... I thought there was a significant chance that he would misread her attempts to be friendly as some kind of come on or something. And during the whole of our conversation, I was sort of expecting Eugene to, I don't know, lunge forward with his mouth or something. Oh. And I was like, but she's a lesbian. <laughs> Didn't happen, of course, but I would have absolutely believed it if he had interpreted a woman talking to him as an invitation for sexual conduct. Didn't he and she have a conversation last season about the fact that she was gay? Maybe. I can't remember that. I really feel like they did. Well, obviously I found out she was gay somehow. There must have been a conversation about the fact that she... She did also have a lover on the show who was a lady. That's right. You can tell how strongly we connected with that character. (laughs) She wasn't in it for very long. I feel like she may not have even spoken, to be honest. No, no, she spoke to Tara. Didn't she die during the prison assault? Yes. Yeah, I remember her. Did she have long curly hair? Yes. So Tara talks to Eugene and she thanks him for saving her life. Part of why I wondered about his feeling disconnected from Abraham and Rosita was how shocked he was at the idea that a group would look after him just because. Because they were friends, because they were a group, because they were together. Yes. He didn't seem at all familiar with that idea. No, he didn't. I think that Eugene has spent a really long time being wrapped up in his interpretation of the social dynamics of what people are like Mm -hmm. now. And as we've noted before, he's not very good at working that shit out. So he's come to some conclusions which are wrong and really stuck with them, as we find out later on. Yes. Now, the other thing we find out in this conversation amongst the book stacks is that he sabotaged the bus. Yes, which kudos to you, because I think the likelihood that she shot up the truck is now a million times more likely. Well, it wasn't my theory, but <laughs> I do feel it has been vindicated. I this think episode. it has several times over. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. And I didn't feel like the answer that he gave Tara was really an answer. When she said, why did you do that? What did he say? He said something about... He said, as soon as we get to Washington, Mm. my value will drop. He will still be the one who saved the world, supposedly. Yes. It struck me as a very lame and actually wrong response. Like, it doesn't even make sense. Yes. Like, oh, once I get to Washington, the place where I can fix the world, suddenly my, my value will drop. I mean, maybe after you fix the world, possibly. But even in a situation where, oh, that's true and he can fix the world... It's not going to be as simple as pressing a button. Even after you've done whatever it is you're supposed to do, anyone who's an expert on what's going on will need to stick around to follow it through. I found the entire thing very unsatisfactory as an answer as to why he'd sabotaged the bus. Yeah. Entirely unsatisfactory. I I was very surprised that Tara swallowed it. Well, I think the reason she did was because of all his other indicators that he's not really quite right. Yeah. 
you know, if he's someone who makes bad judgments about social dynamics and about the best ways to approach things and he got some wrong notion into his head about what would happen once they got to Washington, yeah, you could see him making some pretty dumb moves. Well, we have seen him make some pretty dumb moves, oh, so yeah. that's true. Also in the dark in the library, Glenn and Maggie are having a talk about leaving Rick's group behind and how they feel about that. Mm. Maggie in particular, but I get the impression that Glenn agreed with her. They talk about how they do feel some guilt about leaving the group, Mm. but also about how good it is to be able to hope for something. Yeah. And to think about something that's coming, rather than the horrors they've left behind. Yeah, well I suppose it's, I mean it's related to the speech that Abraham gave in the church. Well, look at the way that you live now. You live day to day. You get up, you find something to eat, you kill or avoid walkers, you go to bed. It's not a life with a lot of forward-looking in it at all. So I guess what they're really talking about is what Abraham kind of offered to them when they were at the church. Something that they haven't had for a long time. Yeah, that sort of purpose. Yeah, most of the time they seem to be just getting by or having to fight or get away from something. So yes, I can see how the contrast of having something to look forward to, something to hope for, would be a welcome relief. Hmm. From that conversation we go to another flashback. Abraham is still covered in blood and he's still standing with that woman and kids, probably his wife and kids, and he's trying to convince them that they're safe. He's telling them they're safe. Mm. And they looked supremely unconvinced. Yeah. Well, I think what is implied is that this woman and these children have just seen him murder a whole bunch of people. Yes, they definitely seem terrified and horrified by whatever it is he's just done. Mm. And if they're more terrified of that than whatever it was these people were going to do to them... You do wonder if maybe what he did was rather an overreaction. Yes. I think there's a couple of times in this episode when Abraham's anger management hasn't been the best. Mm. So that does seem to fit. Why do they always make the redheads the angry ones? <laughs> because they're fiery, Kate. They're fiery. It's racism. They've never heard of subtlety. That's why. They certainly have not heard of subtlety. <laughs> Okay, coming back to present day, Rosita and Abraham are dressing the wound on his hand, which still hasn't healed up. It seems to be his telltale heart. It's his telltale fist wound. Yes. Which I really wish I'd found a different term for. (laughs) I think it's a symbol, I guess, and a reminder to him of what he's done and what he's lost, presumably. And, I mean, speaking of not subtle, he has blood on his hands. He does. Perpetually. That's right. So Rosita is starting to question the need to always press on. Couldn't we stay here for a day? Couldn't we try and get our group to 100% so that we had a chance of heading off and getting more than a day's drive away? Yeah. But he's not having any of it? No. And when the group comes in and talks about wanting to stay, she backs him up instantly. Yeah. Clearly their discussions and disagreements are private ones. Yes. They've decided, or at the very least she's decided that publicly she's going to support him. Yeah, she's always got his back. Mm. I also got the impression she was at least maybe starting to get through a little bit. But then the whole group walking in and talking about how tired they were and wanting to stay, and it really just kicked off his fear of stopping. It just made Abraham dig his heels in and go, no, we're going. Yeah, and he's even got the transport planned. He's found a fire truck. Mm-hmm. Which is also, it turns out, a deeply dramatic vehicle. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, they have to make all the vehicles dramatic, because otherwise they just get to where they're going without problems. That's true. <laughs> yeah, no, as soon as the fire truck moved and that door swung open, 
you could tell. Why else would they show the yes, walkie? Yes, exactly. You could tell. Oh dear. A whole lot of walkers are going to come pouring out of that door, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> and of course, that's exactly what happened. Absolutely. So, yes, lots of walkers. They attack. And Eugene has his best moment ever on this show. Mm. By a country mile. Yes. I did like how the water jets made the walkers go sploosh. I'm sure I actually saw head being broken away by the stream of water and arms being shot off. Yeah, they must have been some tender walkers. (laughs) Yes, well, all walkers by now, it being maybe two years, any walkers which had become walkers at the initial outbreak are going to be pretty... Ripe? Pretty ripe by now. Pretty rotten and not very strong, actually. There's not going to be much strength in the tissue at all. Yeah. And most of them, most of the ones which have spent time indoors are going to be really, really dry. Yes. Actually. So I'm looking forward to seeing an episode in which we see a whole bunch of walkers just catch fire. The ones that have Whoosh. not had access to water, not been moistened at all, have spent two years literally just drying out. Yep. Just seeing them all catch fire. That's going to be epic. And I think it must be coming at some point. You can look forward to it. <laughs> So having dispatched those walkers, again, people suggest stopping for half an hour to loot one last shop and maybe get some dry clothes. Yeah. And nothing doing. They have to keep going. They have to keep going. They can't stop. Yep. By this stage, I think even people most sympathetic to Abraham's view must be starting to think this is pretty manic. Yeah. There's another flashback. The woman and kids have done a runner while he's been asleep. And they've left a note saying, don't try to find us. Yes. None of this bodes well. No, of course not. The fire truck has busted again on the road. Yes. Yep. And while Abraham tries to fix it again, Maggie and Eugene resume a conversation that had happened right at the beginning of the episode about mm-hmm. his hair. About his hair. And also about Samson from the Bible, who drew his power from his hair. Yes. Well, she talks about his hair being a sign that. What did she say? What she was saying was, basically, that probably most people in the lab looked exactly the same. Yeah. And that meant that no one really had their own distinct personality. Yes. But his hair was a way of signalling to people that he wasn't what they would expect. Yes, well, that's not be fucking true, didn't it? Well, yes. The other part of the conversation, of course, that they have is about the fact that Samson's riddle and the solution to it only existed in his mind. Yes, and therefore are unverifiable by anyone else. Yeah. That was nice because it worked on two sort of levels. By the end of the episode, it worked on two levels. One, it's about the question of whether or not he has a solution to all this, to the walkers in Mm. his head. Mm. But it also plays into his own internal debate about, I've created this problem for myself by telling this enormous lie, convincing these people of this enormous lie, coming finally to the realisation that the only solution to that is within him. He's going to have to tell everyone the truth at some point. Yes. So he might as well do it at a point where it's going to save all their lives. Yes. Maggie and Eugene's conversation is interrupted by a smell that has come over the hill Mm. on the breeze. And when they go to investigate, there is a whole field of walkers. Field, I think, doesn't really do it justice. I mean, it's a huge expanse. A valley of walkers. It's several fields of walkers. Okay. You know, they're not just on the road. They are... All the way in the horizon on the left to all the way in the horizon on the right, pretty much. Okay. There are there is a literally p- hundreds of them, maybe thousands. Okay. There's a prairie of walkers. <laughs> uh, that's acceptable. 
We're fine. <laughs> and despite this, Abraham says they're not stopping. Yes. And finally, the group has reached the point where they're just like, no, we're not doing this. Even Rosita is saying, Abraham, this is crazy. Yeah. We're not crossing that. And that is the point at which, you know, everyone's just going, well, Abraham has lost it, clearly. Yeah, no fucking <laughs> He is way. so obsessed with getting Eugene to Washington. Is it getting Eugene to Washington, or is it just needing to do things his own way, having to not compromise? Because going a different way is still getting Eugene to Washington. It's just doing it a safer way. I think there's more at play here than just Abraham's determination to get him to Washington. I think that Abraham has got... Firstly, he's got his anger issues, which seem to make him more stubborn. When mm. he's angry, he's stubborn. He doesn't want to change his mind about anything. But secondly, I, I think there's some control freaky stuff as well. Well, they often go hand in hand. Yes. I think what this episode shows us is that his drive to get Eugene to Washington, to take on this mission, mm. is actually a mania. Yeah. Not, it's not just something he wants to do and something he wants to achieve the objective of. Mm. It's very much, we see in that last scene, it's what's giving him purpose. Like complete, yeah. Completely giving him purpose. Yeah, no, when he loses the woman and the two children, you know, he finds them dead in the very last flashback. And that's when he meets Eugene. You can see that in his despair, he grabs hold of this mission. Yes. And it was Eugene who called it a mission. Mm. He grabs hold of that mission with two hands. That's what he's been holding on to. Yeah. Ever since. And I think that now that he's lost that, I think he's going to have to deal with a lot of the shit about the loss of that woman and the children. That he's just been pushing away and using this mission like a shield to keep those feelings and those issues away from him. Yes. And I mean, I think that's bang on. As he's losing the argument with the group, he grabs Eugene and a bit of a scuffle ensues. Yes. And it's Glenn who intervenes. Yes. I mean, in a sense, Abraham's instinct about Glenn being the one to challenge him was bang on. Yes. And, I mean, it's Glenn, but Tara's in there and Rosita's got her arms. Yeah, but like, Glenn it really the... is, it's an all-in scuffle. It frankly. is eventually, but Glenn is the one who starts it. Glenn is the one who That's... goes, no, no, I'm going to physically stop you doing this. Yes. Glenn is, I mean, and this episode is really good illustration of it that we haven't had for a while. Glenn is actually an excellent beater. Not in the sense that I mean he's just subordinate to an alpha, mm. but he actually does the stuff that a second in command is meant to do. Yep. He challenges when it's needed, mm-hmm. he soothes when it's needed, he's actually an excellent second in command. Yes. And he should be in charge of all strategy, except when people propose it to him and he goes down well shafts. Terrible idea. <laughs> anyway. So the scuffle ensues. Scuffle ensues. And to end the scuffle, Eugene yells out that he's not a scientist. Yeah. I'm just going to light a cigar now. (laughs) Yes, Kate, you were right all along. Eugene is full of shit. Full of shit. (laughs) That is a prediction that's had a very long payoff. Oh, yes. You predicted that all the way back in the last season when we first met him. Yes, but I mean, it's not exactly a difficult prediction. No, it's not. And a couple of episodes of the People's Podcast ago, Mm. I remember saying that the biggest thing that I thought counted against Eugene was the fact that he had nothing with him. Yeah. No briefcase full of papers. No briefcase full of papers, no laptop full of data. 
All of that seemed highly suspicious, although I was nowhere near as convinced as you were. Yeah. But I did think that that was very, very suspicious. Well, suspicion and debate are ended because he's definitely not a he's scientist. definitely not a scientist. Definitely not anything to do with the Human Genome Project. He just remembers heaps of shit. Mm. Which is totally in keeping with... Being on the spectrum. With being on the spectrum. Abraham absolutely loses his shit. Yeah. And, I mean, at first he just sort of collapses. Mm. But when Eugene goes back to the idea that he's smarter than Abraham... Yeah. That's Ooh. it. Yeah. No, that was not the right thing to say. I found that fight really difficult to watch. Mm. Fight is the wrong term. I found that beating Mm. difficult to watch just because it was so simply realistic. Yeah. Well, it was realistic and, like you say, it wasn't a fight. It was beating of someone who had literally no defence. This is Abraham deciding pretty much that he was going to kill him. Yeah. Because if the others hadn't pulled him off... If Rosita hadn't stepped forward with her hand on her gun, communicating, if you don't stop this, I'm going to shoot you, Eugene would be dead. Yes, I completely agree with all that. Too often on TV, what you see is someone taking, like, 15 punches to the head. Oh, yeah, no, no, this was three and he was just gone. And in a really bad way. Yeah. Well, we're pretty sure the third one, didn't we hear a crunch? Yeah, and then he fell forward onto the pavement. Yeah. And the back of his head hit the car. Like, the whole thing was just really gruesome. Mm. It's one of the criticisms I had of Tyrese's beating up of Catman. Catman was actually doing pretty well for someone three days later who had had eight or nine punches directly to the head. Yes. He seemed pretty By a very big man. By a very big guy. Just swinging at your head. Mm. Whereas Abraham's laying into Eugene was, as you say, it's a lot more realistic. Three punches was more than enough. Yeah. And, you know, I found it more shocking for that. Yeah. I won't say I liked it, but... No. I'm glad that they were realistic about that. Yeah. One of the upshots of the beating is that Abraham's hand is bloody again. Again. The telltale hand is reminding him of the kids and the woman back Mm. in Houston. And it's just not good. And he goes off to lose it in a more quiet way again. Yeah, and he he really does. Collapses onto his knees and cries. Which I think we're going to see more of that. Yes. Maybe not crying necessarily, but we're going to see a lot more of dealing with a lot of feelings. Which... As I said, he's been using his mission to fend them off, just keeping focused on what his goals and objectives were. Now they've been taken away, he has no mental shield. Yeah, he can't suppress it with anything. No. So while everyone is trying to see if Eugene's okay and what's going on with him, Mm. Abraham has a final flashback. It doesn't look like the kids and the woman got very far at all. No. He might even be just right outside the shop, but wherever he is, he's finding their bodies, clearly having been eaten. And he's about, really quickly, about Mm. to kill himself. Mm. And Eugene arrives. See, that's the thing that I think is the strongest evidence, that that was his wife and children. You don't shoot yourself over some randoms you met. It could be evidence that he just... I mean, he's someone who became a soldier. Even before all this, he may just have been someone who always needed a mission. Maybe. Maybe they are his family, I don't know. But whatever it is, he's about to kill himself. Mm. Eugene turns up and needs saving mm-hmm. and tells him that there's a new mission to take on. Mm. And he really grabs it. He really grabs it. And that's the end of the episode. Did you have any comments about the episode overall? I wonder now whether that group is going to backtrack. I mean, they don't have a mission anymore. 
mm-hmm. I think the most logical thing for them to do is absolutely to go back and try and join Rick's group again. I thought that their splitting off was going to be the beginning of perhaps a two-stranded season, next half season perhaps, where you'd see that watch the two groups, you know, alternate episodes or something. I don't think that can possibly be the case anymore. Mm. Unless they fail to get back, of course. They yes. could fail to get back or they could get back and Rick's group is gone or something. But yeah, I mean, their mission's gone. I think their objective now is going to be to get back somehow. Yes, I think that's true. They don't have a purpose for going away. They're pretty beat up at this stage in terms of supplies and transport. Mm. But also, they don't have a functioning leader anymore. No. And that's a really good reason to get back to a group that does. Well, for the time being, Glenn can probably step in. Oh, yes. I mean, that's the other... Yes, not long term, but that's the other function of a deputy, is to step up in the short term. I'd like to see Glenn do that, actually. Yeah. That would be some interesting character development for him. One thing I'd really like to see later this season, I think there could be a really interesting conversation between Abraham and Dawn, where Abraham, after a few episodes to get his shit together a bit, Mm. is talking to Dawn about the danger of delusion and obsession. Mm, that would be interesting. He could be like her sort of AA sponsor. It'd be an interesting journey getting there. Yes. To the point where Abraham's talking to Dawn. Mm. Anyway, I think that'd be an interesting tete-a-tete. Mm. Do you think Eugene is permanently injured? It would be easy to believe so, because there was a crunch. He's definitely got some broken bones. It wouldn't surprise me if, say, later on, after everybody thought he might be okay... Later on just kind of dies because perhaps he'd had a hemorrhage in the brain or something and been Mm. bleeding internally for a couple of days or something. Yeah, I don't know. It depends. It really depends on the next time we see this group, how he's going in his recovery. Oh, absolutely. Because they were trying to see whether he was conscious and he did not look conscious at all. If he is permanently injured, and by which I mean if he has sustained some sort of brain injury, Mm. that would... Man, whenever I comment on this show, I sound really vicious. It would, <laughs> it would be... lower his value even more. Not that, no. It would be a very interesting problem for the group to have to deal with. Oh, I see. I thought you were going to suggest that, you know, Eugene for all this time has thought that he's not useful. But he seems to be quite clear on the fact that he believes he's smarter than everyone else. Yes. And so perhaps he would have come to the conclusion that his intelligence is the only thing of use. I thought you were going to suggest that brain damage might have robbed him of that. Well, I think that's certainly true, but I think it very much would depend on the extent to which he was injured and, and the amount of impact it had on his mm. his own abilities to, well, to do everything from mm. just getting around to reason, to remember yeah. all the information he used to know. Yeah. It is one thing that this group has not had to deal with, disability. Well, it would be a genuine ethical dilemma mm. for the group if they had someone who was such a burden that they endangered the group. Mm. What would that mean? Well, I think going by previous lessons on this show, I think it would mean a humane putting down. I think that he and Carol shouldn't be left alone. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus Christ. But they've never had exactly that dilemma. Lizzie was, for all that she was really messed up, and it'd be very hard to say it was her fault, she was very messed up, but she was also killing kids. Yeah. You know? If they had someone in the group who it was actually just dangerous to look after... Mm. I suppose, though, that... I mean, they haven't killed Judith. That's true. Judith is only a burden, because they have absolutely no use to the group whatsoever. 
I mean, Wicked Carl would die before letting anyone hurt Judith. Yeah. But if that was to become an issue, I could see comparisons being made. It's true. Someone could go, wait, you're saying that we can't look after this guy, but we look after Judith and she doesn't do nothing for us. Yeah. This guy can light fires with batteries. (laughs) Yeah. How has your view of Tara changed after watching this episode? I think we've seen what Tara is like now around a group that she doesn't feel guilty towards all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, she probably still feels guilty towards Glenn and Maggie, obviously. But I reckon having a mission probably helped her as well. And I think that we're seeing now that her particular skill set involves helping people through their shit. Mm. Which, you know, in a world like this... A useful skill set to have. If you can help people cope better, then you are very really increasing the odds of survival in very raw, cold terms. If you can improve the performance of individual members of the group by helping them through their psychological shit, then that's worth doing. So yeah, I think that's I think that's what we're seeing, that that's a skill or ability of hers, that she's good at this. Yeah, I hadn't really thought about that, but I think you're right. Her ability to and, and in particular to assist and bring up the weakest members of the group. Yeah, I doubt that Eugene would have come forward with his explanation had those conversations with her not happened. Absolutely not. And I thought it was very clearly laid out in the episode how yeah. the various conversations brought it out of him. Mm. Even the conversation with Maggie and the conversations on the bus were important before the bus went to shit. Because if the hypothesis that he hasn't really connected with the group he's been with mm. is true then it may have taken a series of people just talking to him like a human to get him to believe that it was possible he would survive telling them. Yep. Last week we talked about how we'd been nervous about the Beth-only episode and it had turned yes. out okay. Yes. And we had some nerves about the Abraham group episode. <laughs> Absolutely turned out okay. It, it's, it was really enjoyable to watch. Yeah. What would you give it out of ten? Ooh... 7.5? Mm. Yeah. I think I enjoyed the Beth episode more, just because the sheer number of levels of badassery she climbed in <laughs> one episode. She levelled up a lot. She levelled up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> she defeated a boss and got like 100,000 XP points all at once. <laughs> you don't know what that means, but any gamers listening to this podcast will absolutely know what it means. And she went up like a bajillion levels all at once. Excellent. This metaphor <laughs> has left me behind. <laughs> That's okay, okay. I'm saying it for you. The point I'm making is that I gave the Beth episode, I think, an eight. And I a lot of that was because of Beth. A lot. Well, it was all because of Beth being awesome, taking a page from Carol's survival manual. <laughs> I really enjoyed this episode, but not quite as much. Right. Probably just because it didn't have quite the same level of badassery in it. Okay. I would have this one at 7.5 as well. We keep agreeing. But that's because last <laughs> week I said gave it 7.5. I thought this and uh, the okay. Beth episode were basically on a par. Uh, okay. I enjoyed them both immensely. Okay. Good. No, no, that's good. We need to disagree on the scores of some episodes sometime. <laughs> Otherwise we'll have nothing to talk about. What was your favourite moment of the episode? I think the reveal that he was lying... That's got to take the episode, surely. I'm not a scientist! And it was just like, what the fuck are you saying now? I think I shared the group's disbelief and then anger yes. about it. You know, and now that conversation about... Was it Rosita who said, people died for you? Mm. And he's got the list. 
Yeah, and well, clearly that isn't something that's been lost on him. But that doesn't make it okay by any means. The fact no. that he remembers who died for him. They're still fucking dead. And it's because of you. Because of the lies you have told. Those people died thinking that they were helping a greater cause when they were dying to keep you alive a little bit longer. Mm. In and your it selfishness. Is, it is exactly that. He's gone from selfishness to doing something because it's the best thing for other people. Yeah. For the first time in ages. Yeah. Possibly for the first time ever. And <laughs> even having suspected for more than a season that that was coming. You look shocked. Oh, it was shocking to watch. Yeah. It was a riveting scene. Yeah, it was. Zombie kill of the week? Well, I haven't done my favourite bit yet. Oh, sorry. I, I just assumed you agreed with me. Well, I probably do agree with you about... <laughs> that probably was the best moment of the episode. But just to pick something different, <laughs> I am going to throw in the hilarious beginning of the conversation between him and Tara in the stacks. When oh. she catches him watching oh. <laughs> His pathetic justification. Oh, I believe this is a crime without a victim. <laughs> and then, can we just pretend this didn't happen to anyone? <laughs> exactly, that was my favourite part. It was very Although, fun. you know, she got a little sneak peek at the end too. I think she was going to head that way. I think that was where she was leaving the bookshelves from and she remembered... She couldn't go out that way. Okay. I found that funny as well. That's not how it looked to me. It looked oh, like she okay. very definitely looked over the shelves, just kind of went, mm, and then walked away. <laughs> That'd be quite funny too. <laughs> anyway, I found that whole conversation hilarious. <laughs> I'm going to go first on Zombie Kill of the Week. Yeah? Because you always get to pick the best I one. I do, I do. I'm giving it to Eugene for the fire hose moment. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair enough. Until that moment, I thought it might have been... Was it Abraham who, like, took a walker's head off in three goes? Oh, uh, he sort of hacked at it with yeah, his... Yeah, he sort of hacked at it with his machete and cleaved off one part of the head, cleaved off the other part of the head, and yeah. then the rest of it off with the third one. That's still very impressive. I'm not sure it quite compares to having the head blown off with a jet of water. It's got to go to Eugene. Yeah, which is a big surprise, considering how useless he's been up until now. It was very much his high point. Yes. Although, do you think he had the idea to use the water gun, or do you think he, like before, he climbed up on the fire Do you think he was just engine? hiding on the roof? Yeah, yeah. Do you think he was hiding on the roof and then thought, wait, I can use this thing? Or do you think he <laughs> climbed up there to use it? I don't know. After this episode, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> Even if it was a fluke, it was a fortuitous fluke. Yep. I do hope that Eugene and Gabriel are never left to defend Judas. <laughs> Eugene and Gabriel. I really think they would leave her on the ground <laughs> to would. distract the walkers while they ran away. That's right. That's exactly what they would do. She would slow them down in their scuttling away. Yeah. Anyway. Eugene can't even run properly. Who? Eugene. Oh, I thought you were going to say Judith. I was like, yeah, she's a baby. Leave no, her no, no, Eugene. When, um... In the very last flashback, mm. you know, when Abraham is about to kill himself and instead he hears Eugene, he's barely moving faster than the walkers. I thought maybe he'd been running away from them for a while. Ooh, but yeah, he's not super fit, is he? Well, I'm not super fit either, but, you know, how hard would it have been to pick up a brick and just hit the one of them on the head with it? Well, yeah, again, if he's not totally hopeless, then his entire story doesn't make sense. Yeah. He has to be totally hopeless. Oh, yeah. I find it hard to believe that anyone can be that hopeless. 
Like, how can you be physically incapable of picking up something heavy and hitting someone with it? Yeah. Like, yet we meet hopeless people every day. That's true. And the same way that we've met Dawn in real life, (laughs) we've met Eugene. Yeah, that's true. We've both met a lot of smart idiots. A lot of deals with degrees. A lot of deals with degrees. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. If you have any feedback, please send it to tppfeedback at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter as at tppfeedback, and you can find us on Facebook by doing a search for The People's Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, unless it's cruel. Then you can fuck right off. Bye! Fuckity bye! The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. Uh, wrong spot, Eugene. I do enjoy dramatic buses. It's like babies who are the fry. Maybe we can find some bikes. Thanks, don't burn. Good idea, Tara. It's a good idea. Eugene, what are you doing? Nothing. Just when he stops being on head. I was on the table, I was watching him. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> maybe we can move on from here. I'll be right back. You saved my life. <laughs> Come on. Okay. Stop. <laughs> Welcome to the place where the revolution will not be televised. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I totally lost track. <laughs>